Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Messiah Yeshua has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended the one thing forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Messiah Yeshua. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Messiah Yeshua. Hi there, everyone. This is Brayden and Tally Waller with the voice of my beloved podcast. And uh, today we're going to be talking about pressing towards the goal for the prize. And, uh, yeah, I love this verse here. Paul's exhorting the Philippians. He says, I'm forgetting that which is behind. That's sometimes something we have to do mm-hmm. in order to press forward. We have to forget the past. He says, I've, I'm forgetting the past and I'm looking ahead. I'm pressing toward the prize. I love he says the upward call. He says yeah. the upward call of God. And that's where we're on. We're on this upward journey. And you know, it, it takes more energy to go up than it does to go down. <laughs> you know, so you need to be energized. You need to be strengthened for the upward journey. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're going to, this is kind of a continuation of what we've been, the topic we've been talking about. Um, We've talking about uh, just the importance of not compromising, of holding on, holding on till the end. Uh, It's uh, it's such an important thing, uh, especially as an American culture that's kind of, we talked about being lulled to sleep last week. Um, This is something we really need to be on guard that we're pressing onward, onward, upward for the, to the goal. We want to get to the goal, uh, which is the prize, which is always worth it. It's always worth the the race that's been run. It's always worth the the trials and the hardships uh, that get us there. Yeah. I believe Satan uses those past failures that we've made to try to keep us from even pressing forward. You know, so it, Paul there is saying, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. And mm-hmm. so just to, I want to encourage you all right from the art, right from the outset here, just to keep pressing on, you know, mm-hmm. to know that there's forgiveness with God. He can wipe away those past failures yeah. and you can press on. So in this podcast, we pray that you are strengthened to press on for the calling and the dreams that God has for you. Yeah. Yeah. So last week, uh, what we did was we talked about people who compromised and uh, suffered from it, that there was uh, just people that had uh, just had let themselves slip into sin, uh, into problems. And so um, this week we watched um, the movie called Tortured for Christ, which is the story of Richard Wormbrand. And uh, the story is amazing. Braden's read both of his books uh, of his story before. Uh, for me, I I knew a lot about about the story, but it was it was a really impacting story uh, to watch. Uh, it was very very hard to watch, but it was really encouraging to me. And I was talking to Brayden, and I was like, you know what? We need to talk about people that held that held on, you know. And <laughs> and so Richard Wormbrand was definitely one of those that held on to the end, uh, and he was tested in every way imaginable, uh, and and just 
pushed to his to a you know physical limit that I don't think most of us can imagine. Uh, but he held on. He pressed on. He held on. And when you're in a situation like that, you have to know the prize. And that's the one thing, watching this movie, watching all of the persecution that's taking place, these people knew that there was a prize that was worth pressing on for. And they never let go of the prize. They never let go of that um, goal of getting there. And many of them gave their lives for it. And so that's that's what we want to talk about today is just the importance of pressing on uh, and holding on. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I want to jump in here with three characters from the Bible. We're looking at we're looking at Joseph, Daniel, and John today, and want to just highlight certain things from their lives that I believe strengthen them to make it to the end strong. Mm-hmm. And we can learn from them. We can learn these things that they valued and value them ourselves, so that we can also cross the finish line, go all the way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something we want to to press on for. So these guys were dreamers, I believe. You know, we obviously Joseph and Daniel. They were literal dreamers. You know, they, mm-hmm. they had dreams. And uh, John as well. He was a dreamer. I believe he had, he had dreams. He had a vision, book of Revelation. And he had dreams of the kingdom of God. And so I believe this is, you know, like Tally's saying, we have to have dreams. We have to have visions of the grandeur of the kingdom of God, what's mm-hmm. coming. And this helps us to press on and overcome. Yeah. So to open up, before I jump into these stories, we'll look at Psalm 119, verse 32. It says, I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart. And I love this verse, you know, talking about running the race set before you because God enlarges your heart. I believe all these guys, Richard Wormbrand, Joseph, Daniel, John, I believe they had enlarged hearts and Mm -hmm. that's, that was the key that helped them to finish strong. Mm -hmm. And so we need this as well. We need an enlarged heart. You know, we can look at these men's lives and go, I don't know how I can do this, you know, but we need to ask God for that enlarged heart to, to be able to, you know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. God equipping us. It's not in our own strength. You know, they were empowered supernaturally to overcome these odds. Mm -hmm. It also, it's saying here, I will run the course. That means that you're engaging, like you know, you can't stop running. You can't stop pressing onward. Right. And that's, and for you shall enlarge my heart. You know, yeah. it's like up, it goes together, you know, that as long as we keep on running, he's going to keep on enlarging our hearts. Right. So it's a, it's a good promise. Yes. So I had heard this story about this horse, this racehorse. It's a famous racehorse, one of the most famous racehorses of all time. And so I thought, I'll do a little, little research on this just because I remember hearing something about how this racehorse's heart was very big. And so I thought, okay, let's look at this. So I looked at that a little bit this week and this racehorse name was Secretariat. And I'm just going to read this little clip here that I found. It says, Secretariat had an unusually large heart, estimated at 22 pounds, while the average thoroughbred heart is 8.5 pounds. This tremendous cardiovascular system pumping oxygen into his lungs at an abnormally, at an abnormally high rate was clearly a source of his stamina and power. And so, wow, you know, they, <laughs> they would see this horse, he would just be trucking down the track and he would just... One of the most famous races, I believe it was 1973, he was neck and neck with this one horse, but as he got about a quarter mile or so from the finish line, he just way outran this other horse and like <laughs> beat him by a long shot. And they were all just like, what in the world? You know, most times these races are neck and neck, you know, just he, they win just by, you know, a few feet. But this <laughs> horse, he just like way ahead of this other horse. So when they did the, 
the uh, autopsy is that what you call it like yeah, you yeah. know you did the autopsy at the end of this horse's life and you know i didn't really know they did that with horses so much but evidently they did but they found out <laughs> this horse's heart weighed 22 pounds i mean was huge you know like i said the average more than double the pressure yeah normal. so this large heart this enlarged heart enabled this horse to run at a very fast pace and so this is you know i, I love that you know coupling this story with this verse when we have an enlarged heart then god strengthens us to run with endurance mm-hmm. So jumping right in here to Joseph, let's look at Joseph. He was a persecuted dreamer. Mm-hmm. He, from very young age, began to dream. He's dreaming, we see here in Genesis 37, at 17 years old, he has this dream, and his dream gets him in trouble. You all familiar with the story? I'm sure he tells his dream to his brothers, his family, and they're like, what are you talking about, Joseph? You think we're all going to bow down before you? <laughs> and so uh, gets him in trouble. Uh, he ends up in Egypt, and we see in Genesis 39 two. Lord, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. So God's with him through this trial. I believe his dream was a big part of him hanging on to hope during mm-hmm. these difficult times. God's got a plan. Yeah. Yeah. God's <laughs> got a purpose in all this. Yeah. And so I just want to encourage all of you out there that are dreamers to hold on to your dream, no matter what trials you may go through, hold on to that dream mm-hmm. and God's going to bring it to pass in his time. I love the Psalm. It says that the word of the Lord tested Joseph. Mm-hmm. During this time. And yeah. so to, 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 he was waiting on God's word to come to pass, but God's word was testing him. Yeah. I, lo- I like the difference too between holding on to your dream and fighting for your dream. Because I think that, I think sometimes uh, God gives us dreams and I think that he gives them to us as we surrender them. <laughs> Almost, right. You know, it's like you're holding on to them, but also surrendering them to him and right. not necessarily fighting it, which you can see in so many stories like David, you know, right. it, he didn't fight for the dream. <laughs> you know, he, he surrendered it instead to God and allowed God to, to uh, work it out in his life. Well, Abraham, so, I think is one of the most powerful examples of that. You know, he's been waiting yeah. for this promised child and then God says, lay it down. Right. You know, it's like right. totally counter what you would think, mm-hmm. but yet, yet God sometimes in order to fulfill the dream that mm-hmm. God has for us to fulfill, we sometimes have to surrender or oftentimes have to surrender and just lay it on the altar, and then mm-hmm. God brings it forth in his yeah, timing. Yeah, because a lot of times I think we fight for the dream, and then when we, when we feel like we're getting nowhere, you give up on the dream. Right. But it's like, it's exactly the enemy's plan, you know, mm-hmm. where he wants you to surrender the dream and then hold on to the dream. <laughs> right. I want to look at another element of Joseph's life. He was someone that forgave as well. I believe that's a really key element in finishing the race strong. The enemy desires that we would get bitter about things and that shuts us down mm-hmm. you know, it shuts our hearts down our hearts are not able to be in that enlarged heart it shuts us down we kind of shrivel up but joseph we see even his own family you know and that's something we can really see from joseph's story as well you know those that are close to us have the potential have the ability to really hurt us but with joseph we see that he was able to forgive even those people that were very close to him and hurt him and i just want to encourage all of you out there you know, those close people in your life that have hurt you, be like Joseph and forgive them. Mm-hmm. Forgive them. This will help you to run the race. It'll help you to finish strong like Joseph did. Yeah, and I'll tell you, even with uh, these stories like Richard Wormbrand, mm-hmm. um, that is a huge part of these the testimony of, of these guys that are living in persecuted areas is their ability to forgive and to love despite, I mean, you know, being beaten by someone. And you're still praying for them and loving them, you know, and that's, right. that's really a, a huge, a huge uh, characteristic 
of someone who's who's you know really hanging on and uh, right. not giving up. Right. So read a verse here in Genesis forty one fifteen. It says, "And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it." But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So here, Pharaoh himself, he recognizes that Joseph has this ability to interpret dreams. He's a dreamer. And then it goes on in verse 38 of that chapter. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? So with Joseph, it was the spirit of God that was enabling him to interpret the dreams. It was this, I like it says in Daniel, it says Daniel had an excellent spirit. And so I believe Joseph is a good role model for us in, even in a hard time, to still seek to have the spirit of God in our lives. And this was going to strengthen us to get through that hard time. Mm-hmm. And then we see Genesis 50, 25 says, then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you. So I'm just reading this verse to point out that Joseph, he's still hanging on to the dream. Even at the end of his life, he's telling the people of Israel, God will surely visit you. Mm-hmm. And you shall carry up my bones from here. Yeah. So he's, he was began a dreamer, 17 years old. And he ends a dreamer. He's still <laughs> speaking forth vision and dreams. God's going to visit you. You know, I, I haven't seen this come out of this bondage yet, but he's going to bring us out. He's going to lead us forth in victory. Mm-hmm. And I just love that confidence that he still has at the end of his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, now let's look at Daniel. So Daniel's an exiled dreamer. He's, he's in this place of, you know, not an ideal circumstance by any means. We see in Daniel 1.8, he's a young man. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So I just appreciate this about Daniel, that he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Mm -hmm. he, He made a decision inside. He's like, okay, I'm surrounded by these people that are defiling themselves, Mm -hmm. that are going in this direction of just worldliness, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And Joe, Daniel, in the midst of that, he's not following the crowd. Mm-hmm. He's setting himself apart from that culture. Yeah, and what a, you can see the same thing play out in Joseph's story, you know, with uh, Potiphar's wife right. coming after him. Right. He had made that decision too. No, I will not be def- be defiled. Mm. You know, even in this foreign land, even in this foreign place. Right. So, yeah. Then Daniel one seventeen. Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. It's amazing there. It says in all visions and dreams, they had understanding. That would be amazing just to understand them all. <laughs> but <laughs> amazing. So then Daniel 6.3, it says, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought of setting him over the whole realm. So here we see Daniel, he was setting himself apart. He's an excellent spirit. You know, he's not setting himself apart and just has this grumpy, uh, just kind of stove up, kind of like just this sourpuss guy. <laughs> you know, he's, <laughs> he's setting himself apart. He's setting himself apart from the spirit of the world, but he's also got an excellent spirit. Mm-hmm. And this is something that took note, you know, the king took notice of that. He's like, wow, I, want, he, I think this guy could really be in charge. He could really run this place good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so just an encouragement, you know, for you out there that are seeking to live a set apart lifestyle, accompany that, seek to accompany that with an excellent spirit. You know, as you're relating to the outside world, smile, you know, be, mm-hmm. be uh, one that carries the joy of the Lord with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is something that's going to set you apart in a, in even a greater way than just being a, you know, a stove up, you know, person that just, you know, <laughs> is uh, just following a bunch of rules. Their teeth. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just, you know, follow Daniel's example, be set apart, but also be strong in your spirit, have an excellent spirit, mm-hmm. be kind, be thankful and be a good witness for the king. 
Now I want to look at Daniel 10.3. It says, I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And what I want to point out about this verse is that word there, pleasant, is the Hebrew word hamudot. And now we look at the further on down that chapter, Daniel 10, 11, it says, and he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. Now this word beloved is the same word as used back in verse three for pleasant. So pleasant chamudot, beloved chamudot. So I just learned this recently. I thought it was really fascinating. So Daniel, he's giving up this pleasant food and then the angel comes to him and says, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. And so he's like giving up this thing, but then he's gaining this, this beloved status in heaven. And just how it's, it's incredible that, you know, we give up things, we sacrifice things at times, mm-hmm. but then we get it back in a heavenly reward. Yeah. And so just to be in, an encouragement to you, you know, you may be giving up things that the world says are really valuable. You know, in that culture in Babylon, I'm sure this pleasant food, the meat, the wine, all these things were very highly sought after, mm-hmm. you know, that was part of your just enjoying life. But Daniel's giving this up for a season and then he receives this. I just love how it's the same word. Yeah. You know, he gives up that and then he gains this heavenly yeah. this, beloved. This is also reminding me of, of Richard Wormbrandt's story uh, because he was a very well-known Lutheran pastor at the time when the Communist Party came in. And, um, and he had a choice. Like he could have gone along like most of the other guys, most of the other religious leaders were doing. Uh, they were all kind of just like, all right, we'll do what they tell us to do. Uh, yeah, we can make this work with the Communist Party and stuff. And uh, he knew he couldn't do that. And so he gave up his, I mean, he gave up his position as like this big pastor. He, you know, he had to be a part of the underground church. He gave up, he gave up a lot, freedom, uh, money, you know, whatever it was, he gave up a lot. And, but I see like the way that Yeshua looks at him and his sacrifice as like, that is so beautiful to me that it's almost like all all the treats that Richard might've given up. He almost became that to God. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. I mean, which is so, such an amazing thing that as we lay down, it's such a gift to our King, like a mm-hmm. gift to, to our, our bridegroom. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it gives you so much more vision as you do those things. You know, it's yeah. not all about you. Yeah. It's yeah. good. So I just finished that verse in Daniel ten eleven, And he said to me, Oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for I have now been sent to you while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. So man was a, Daniel was a man who really feared God. He really feared the Lord. Mm-hmm. All right, now let's look on at our third example, John. He is the dreamer I've got here, the dreamer who Yeshua loved. You know, he refers to himself. He had a real confidence in the love of Yeshua. He says that he refers to himself, and then the one Yeshua loved. He doesn't refer to himself by his own name. He said, then the one Yeshua loved did such and such a thing. And uh, I think that's an amazing confidence to have, you know, just to understand ourselves in that light that we're the ones Yeshua loves. And we can, we can say that, yeah, he loves me. He loves me. I'm, I'm confident of that. And I believe this was a key that helped John finish strong. We know all the disciples finished strong. They all were willing to sacrifice their lives. And so they all had this, this love in their hearts. But I just want to focus in on John because John is one of the few that actually made it to an old age. And so he finished strong all the way to the end, all the way to a very old age. 
And so, and I believe John knew he was loved and was therefore able to love others. So he, he had this confidence in the love of God. And then you read first John and he keeps on talking about the love of God. He's talking about the importance of loving others. And so just the, the theme of John is so, so uh, important just that we love one another. So there's a story of John when he's old. It says the apostle John, when he was very old and unable to walk, would stand before the congregation to speak with God's people. He only had enough strength to say one sentence to give them one word from the Lord. The word he would tell them was little children love one another. And the story, the way I heard the story is that he would just week after week, they would bring him up. They would, he would be in a chair. They would bring him up to the front and they say, okay, John, you want to say something? He said, little children love one another. And then they would do it again next week. <laughs> and he'd just say the same thing. Little children love one another. And so that was this just constant message. <laughs> we need those Guys, encouraging us in that today. Just yeah. little children, love one another. You know, don't take yourself so seriously. Just right. love each other. <laughs> Simplify. Yeah. And then we see this. As I mentioned in First John, we see First John 2.10. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So I love this. John, he's exhorting the people to love each other because it's actually helping you to walk that road. You're not going to stumble as you love each other. As you have this light of love in your heart, you're going to be able to see clearly in the road that's before you. As soon as hatred, bitterness gets set up in your heart, you're all of a sudden, you're blinded spiritually. You're not able to finish strong. You're not able to see that road as clearly. Mm-hmm. Then a story from the life of John here it said that Roman Emperor Domitian commanded that the Apostle John be boiled to death in oil, but John only continued to preach from within the pot. So they're putting in this oil in this uh, amphitheater, and he just kept on preaching. And so there's there's different stories. Some of these stories are you know there's a little bit of ambiguity or you know they don't not really sure like exactly how it happened. But some of the stories I was reading was saying that there he was putting him in the pot in this boiling pot of oil, and he just kept on preaching to the crowds, and they were expecting him to start screaming crying in pain, but he didn't, didn't phase him at all. He just kept on preaching and everybody's looking at him just in wonder and, uh, had a really bad effect on the whole, the whole plan that the got Roman guys had, because I think <laughs> one account says that everyone in the amphitheater became a believer. <laughs> so His testimony was so strong. So they didn't know what to do with John then. Cause oh, we can't, we can't kill him. So we got to send him off to Patmos, the Island of Patmos. So he goes there for two years and then the emperor Domitian dies and John returns to the church in Ephesus. So he was the youngest of the disciples, and then he turns out to be the oldest, and he dies there in Ephesus. So pray this, this is an encouragement to you. These, the lives of these men, uh, Daniel, Joseph, John, that we can learn from their lives, that we can uh, be encouraged by their testimony, that just as they finish strong, that we may also, mm-hmm. and learn from the things that they taught us, learn from their, the ways that they lived out, their faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also we've got a few others. Did you want to mention a few of these other people that have been yeah. an inspiration? Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, there's a couple other people that came to mind when we were talking about this, um, just more, more modern day, uh, examples. And I just think these testimonies are so important for us to continually remind ourselves of, um, because it's so easy to get so wrapped up in your own little world, in your own little struggles and uh I don't know it's just 
it's just easy to get lost in yourself, I guess, in your own story. And I think that's why it's so important that we are aware and are exposing ourselves to the testimonies, the victorious testimonies of those that have gone before. Uh, so that when we get into trials, that we're not just clinging to ourselves and going into this place of poor me and and all of this stuff, but we're able to say, you know what, there are people that finished strong. There are people that held on till the end, and I am going to tap in to the strength that they tapped into because I know it's there. I know it's there. There are so many stories, and I'm sure... A lot of you are having people pop up in your mind, uh, people that held on to the end. And so we have just a couple here. Uh, we already talked about Richard Wormbrand. Um, and, you know, Braden had sent out on our text. I'm not sure if everyone's on our, our WhatsApp group there, but uh, there's a free showing of this movie. It's about an hour, a little over an hour long. It's called Tortured for Christ. Uh, the Voice of the Martyrs are the ones that are, are giving this free showing until tomorrow night. And, uh, you know, really encourage you, you know, if, if, uh, you know, to really, to really listen to this testimony uh, and be encouraged by it. And, uh, and so, yeah, Richard Wormbrand, I just, (laughs) I just looking at him and I'm just like, man, you talk about someone who didn't compromise. And this is a story that plays out over years. And Brayden, you know more about the story than I do, but it didn't all happen in one day. Uh, this is a a lifestyle that Richard Wormbrandt held that he held on to. It was a pattern that he established in his life, so that when the real test came, he knew this is not right. I can't go on with this. And so, you know, the the communist government uh, came in and appealed to most of the Christians, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, so this is Christianity saying, we don't, you know, all right, they're going to kill us if we think this. Well, ah, yeah, we could probably let go of that. We'll just, yeah, I'm sure Jesus will understand, you know, if we just let go of this thing or that thing. Or, yeah, we'll hang up this this picture of, of Stalin. Stalin. <laughs> um and, uh, but for Richard, and you can tell the story of him and Sabina sitting in this, uh, in this meeting, uh, where you tell what Yeah. So Sabina, she says, Richard, you've got to stand up and wipe the spit off Christ's face. And Richard says, you know, if I do that, then you won't have a husband anymore. And Sabina says, well, I don't need a coward as a husband. <laughs> so <laughs> he was a, like, yeah, I guess he, that fired him up. And so he, he went out and confronted him. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I just love, I just love this story, you know? And, and like I said, this is a pattern in his life already um, that he, they saw when it was infiltrating, they saw the little bits of it coming in and they already made a stand. We're not going to go with this. We're going to stand against this. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so there's Richard Wormbrandt, uh, some other people, Corey Tenboom uh, came to mind, uh, another person that was in a society that was slowly making this move towards uh, anti-Semitism, and I'll tell you, she was a dreamer. There, her father had started a prayer meeting praying for the peace of Jerusalem, 
That was a dream. There was no such thing as Israel. Right. <laughs> I mean, they were dreamers and they they knew that what God spoke, he would he would bring into existence. And when something came up that even started to question that, uh, this whole regime that, that came in, he said, nope, it's, we're not going with it. And, uh, and so they, they stood strong and, um, you know, and, and, and sacrificed a lot. Lives, uh, lives were lost, uh, made some great sacrifices, but they, they would not compromise. So you want to talk about. Yeah. And then Billy Graham has been an inspiration to me as well. Just standing the course, you know, just being faithful to the end. And that just, that in itself just speaks volumes to me. Mm -hmm. Someone that holds to their faith all the way to the end. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Billy Graham had such a testimony of really holding the line. And, uh, one of his, one of the things that, that he had a rule for himself that he would never be alone with another woman. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that was something that he was tested in. Yeah. In his day, many ministers were falling mm-hmm. in immorality mm-hmm. and they were being very loose in their relationships. And it led to that, but yeah. he, he drew a line. He said, no, I'm not going to be in a room by myself with another woman that's not my wife. And yeah. I think that's, I think even Mike Pence, you know, our vice president was inspired by that and uh, he won't do that. And he gets a lot yeah. of flack for that himself, but yeah. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And so there's such resistance, you know, there's such resistance and, but like someone like Billy Graham, you know, uh, he just did what he was called to do and kept on walking and didn't let it, you know, get him off track. Um, and then, you know, Corey and, and Richard, their families were really brought to a test. I mean, these, um, the, the opposition was, was majorly hurting them. And I love the story of forgiveness. Uh, the Richard Wormbrandt, the one, the one seen in the movie, uh, he's in the cell praying yet again, which he gets beat for every single day. He's not allowed to pray in the cell in his solitary confinement. They drag him out, beat him. Uh, throw him back in and one of the guards comes comes busting through the door and he's like what could you possibly be praying about you're praying again and he was just like just so upset about it and he said what could you possibly be praying about and Richard looked at him and he said I was praying for you mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just like uh I want that <laughs> like I want that I want to have that love, you know, that is able to, to look at my persecutor and say, I love, you know, I love you because Yeshua loves you, you know, and, and he, he, you know, he, there were many that turned, turned, uh, turned to Yeshua because of, because of that testimony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Corey Tenboom, she's got a similar story where she was approached, uh, by someone later in life. And it was one that had, that had really what I forget the story exactly, but I think he had been involved in how Betsy had died. Yeah. Her sister, Betsy. Yeah. Yeah. And he had come to Yeshua and he went to see her years later and, um, and she was tested with this where she was like, he came to know Yeshua. Like, you know, and it was, it was really hard for her, but she laid it down and she forgave him. And she said it was such a moment of freedom uh, for her. So anyways, uh, these are the testimonies we're going we're gonna to hang on to um, and know that, that God is bigger. Yeshua is worth it. The prize is way beyond what we can think or imagine. So we're going to keep on pressing on. So uh, 
I think we're going to sign off now. This is Braden and Tally reminding you to listen to the voice of your beloved bridegroom. He's coming quickly. Oh,